great. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Let's look at verse 1. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Jump down to verse number 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother. And they fell down, and they worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Father, we bow our heads and our hearts already amazed at what you have done in this room today. In the power of your presence, we pray now, God, that you might speak to us and give us guidance by your word. We give you thanks for the transforming power of your word. Let it be done today in Jesus' name. Come on and say amen. Well, it's Christmas time. We're just a few days away from the, the, the greatest holiday that we know on our calendar. It's the day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. And so we go all out, don't we? Hopefully you do. Here at La Palma Christian Center, we're going to put up the biggest tree we could find and celebrate the birth of Christ. How many have decorated at your house already? My wife was so excited about Christmas, she decorated before Thanksgiving. I'm not complaining. I love coming into the house, and she changes the, the, the Glade uh, plug-ins, you know what I mean, so that it smells like Christmas. I mean, it's just awesome. The sight, the sound, the smell, all of it. I love it. How many haven't even started decorating yet? Well, we'll pray for you. You still have time, though. Y'all put up a tree? How many put up a live tree? Anybody put, go and still get a live tree? We used to think, I have to have a live tree. There's something about the smell. There's something about all that. And then we one year decided, let's try an artificial tree. And I'm telling you, speaking of being set free, we were set free that year. <laughs> and we've been artificial tree fans ever since. But no matter, artificial or live, I love decorating the tree and seeing the ornaments from our kids over the years. And then there's the, the matter of what goes on top of the tree. The tree topper. I found some really unusual tree toppers, and let me just show you a few of these. Here's one. I, I don't know if they're from Florida or what, but the black flamingo is, yeah, I don't think it really is black. It looks black, but there's, there's one way to top your tree. Here's one of my favorites. It's the demonic baby head. <laughs> Isn't that one nice right there? For all the cat lovers out there. I like this one because you have a really good target to aim at there at the top of the tree. Somebody felt that right there, didn't you? Here's one for all the sea lovers in the world, an octopus. Any Star Wars fans out there? Here's Yoda for you. Here's another one, a robot. I don't know. That I guess for all the farmers out there, there's a, a just a tractor trailer you can put up on the top of the tree 
And here's one probably from a grandma who didn't know what to do with this that her grandchild made. And so it landed on the top of the tree. I don't even know what it is, but there it is. Do you know what the, the top tree toppers are? What would you think? An angel. And here she is, which is not biblical at all because the Bible describes them as masculine, but we won't get into all of that today. We'd have to change everybody's making of an angel, so we'll let her, let her sit there. But the number one tree topper is, yes, it's the, the Christmas star. We've got a lot of symbols at Christmas time, don't we? Santa Claus, the Christmas trees, tinsel and lights, snowflakes and sleigh rides, holly and mistletoe, fruitcake and eggnog, Roasted turkey and cranberry relish. Mm. Christmas shopping, Christmas presents. All of this could overshadow the true meaning of Christmas. And some, some Christians want to get just a little bit indignant and, and a little bit super righteous and fight against all of the symbols of Christmas that are worldly. And I think we do have to be very, very careful that we don't let any symbol overshadow the true meaning of Christmas. You could have just shouted right there or hollered at me a little bit stronger. Come on. Amen. But hey, we Christians have our own symbols, don't we? We do. We have the shepherds, we have the wise men. We have the angels, we have the manger, we have the hay, we've got the cattle lowing in the manger. We've got our symbols. Symbols aren't really all bad. In fact, symbols can be very, very good. I believe symbols are important, in fact. The broken bread is a symbol reminding us of a broken body. The cup at communion, it's a symbol and it reminds us of the blood that was shed for the redemption of mankind. Baptism in water symbolizes death, burial, and resurrection in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe the Christmas star may be one of the great, great Christmas symbols of the season. There's lots of players in the Christmas drama. There, of course, is the Virgin Mary and her husband, Joseph, I think he ought to get just a little bit more credit. How about you? I mean, he did not leave when he found out that his wife-to-be was pregnant. There's Mary's cousin, Elizabeth, and her husband, Zacharias. King Herod is one of the bit players, even the innkeeper. All of these playing an important part in the Christmas story. But what about the star? I believe the star has a critical, critical role, is an important player. And though silent, it speaks loudly. So what is the star actually trying to say? What does the star speak of? First of all, I believe the star speaks of God's glory. A star isn't actually lighting up. A star isn't a light, a star is actually reflecting the sun's light. 
Did you know that? That's a star. A star reflects light. This particular Christmas star was reflecting God's light. You know, throughout Scripture, light is associated with God's glory. I thought of the children of Israel as they were delivered from bondage and wandering through the desert. It says in Exodus chapter 13 and verse number 21 that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so as to shine by day and night. The light represented God's glory here. And wherever the light would go, this is how God wanted them to go. They needed to be where God was, where God's presence was, where God's glory was. I thought of Moses as he went on to the Mount of Sinai in Exodus chapter 24. Moses went up into the mountain and a cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on the mountain and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain in the eyes of the children of Israel. God's glory falling on this mountain was so powerful, so real, so tangible even. It says that when Moses came down, he was glowing because of the light of God and the glory of God that rested on him. Moses' face shone with the glory of God. I thought of Jesus as he was transfigured. Matthew chapter 17. As Jesus was transfigured before them, it says that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white, just like light. Peter, James, and John were there to witness this. And they saw this light which represented the glory of God shining on the face of Jesus. It looked like bright sunlight. When the angels appeared to the shepherds on the night of Christ's birth, Luke 2, 9, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone all around them and they were greatly afraid, the Bible tells us. There's a clear connection throughout the scripture with God's glory and light. Stars shine because the sun is reflecting on them. Christians should shine because God's glory is reflecting on them. I wonder, are you shining? Do people even know that there's something different about you? Even though they may not understand what it is? How many know somebody in darkness right now? And you're the light. You're housing the light. And so there should be a difference in the darkness everywhere that you go. Don't let the darkness overtake you. You step into the darkness and dispel the darkness because the light has come. And they should sense something different about us, even though they may not know what it is. A Hindu trader in India 
he once asked a missionary, what do you put on your face every day to make it shine? The missionary was a bit shocked and he answered, well, I don't put anything on it. The Hindu began to lose patience and he, he spoke with more force. Yes, you do. All of you who believe in Jesus seem to have it. I've been in the towns of Agra and Surat and even in the city of Bombay. And suddenly the missionary understood his face glowed because of Jesus inside of him. Now I know what you mean, he said. I will tell you the secret. It's not something that we put on from the outside, but something that comes from within. It's the reflection of the light of God in our hearts. Do people see Jesus in you? Or are you just like everybody else that claims to be a Christian? Oh, I, nobody, no, no, no answer there. No shout there. No amen there. That's all right. Tom, nice to have you back. Hope you had a good stay in Michigan, and I hope you're planning on staying here for a while. You're the light of the world, my friend. You're housing the light. And so we carry this everywhere we go. Do people in darkness understand that there's something inside of you? Are they seeing a difference in you? in how you talk, in how you walk, in what you say, in where you go? Because we are followers of Christ and we have walked in the light. We should be different, church. We're not to be like everyone else. We're peculiar people. Look at your neighbor. Tell him you're different. <laughs> you're peculiar on purpose and by design the Bible says we're in the world but what we're not of the world the problem is there's too many so-called Christians so-called followers of Christ they're in the world and they're like the world we're in the world but we're not supposed to be like the world we're supposed to be different thank you I knew I'd have somebody with me that's my grandson. You want to talk about the star of the show. This kid was amazing. He plays baby Jesus right here, Judah. He was amazing. Yes. Hi, buddy. The light of the world has come. Hi. You're going to distract Papa again, aren't you? Say hi to everybody. Say hi. His acting debut. Yes. This production is his acting debut. When we accept Jesus, how many have accepted Jesus? Come on, let me see your hand today. You've accepted him. When you did that, when I did that, I accepted a Savior. I accepted life. I accepted light. And so now I must continue to walk in the light. It's not enough that I made a decision and prayed a prayer way back when. I've got to decide every day that I want to continue to walk in the light. Ephesians 5, 8 says, You were once in darkness and you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord and so walk as children of light. Don't walk as children of darkness. Then there's no difference. Nothing stands out. 
1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all of our sin. Do you know why that happens? Because the light continues to illuminate these areas of problem. When we're in darkness, see, evil and sin thrives in darkness. That's why, Matt, we have to decide every day I'm going to stay in the light, I'm going to walk in the light, because I want the light illuminating these problem areas of my life. And we all have problem areas. Don't fool yourself to think that you have arrived and that you are all that. You better stay in the light and walk in the light and let the light illuminate the problem areas in your life. Then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all of our sin. Hallelujah. I want all of my sin under the blood of Jesus. I want every mistake corrected. I want every wrong righted. Hallelujah. And as long as I walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus will cover all of my sin. Let the light of Jesus illuminate these problem areas in your life. Walk in the light and stay in the light. I think I might preach this today. I thought I was going to be good and teach, but... We have the light of the world in us. And he wants to shine from us, folks. But keep in mind, all the glory goes to God. You're not the star. Come on, you're not the, you're not the important person here. We're simply a mouthpiece. We are simply a messenger. We're a lantern. Imagine yourself as a lantern going to someone that's in darkness and they see the light in you and they say, oh, wow, wow. They start saying some things to you because they see the light coming from you. Don't let that go to your head because the glory of God belongs to God and it should only be reflected off of us. We don't house the glory. We house the light and the glory of God is reflected off of us. And we immediately should say, what you're sensing in me, what you're seeing in me, what you notice in me is not me at all. It's the new me. It's the new and improved me. I used to be like this, but now I'm like this. I used to walk in darkness, but I found the light and I decided to walk in the light. And we give all the glory and all the honor and all the power to God. Come on, somebody, and bless him today. All the glory belongs to God. It, it's not yours. It's not mine. We're a mirror of Christ. The star said something that night, and it's saying something tonight. It's speaking of God's glory. What is the star's role? The star not only spoke of God's glory, it also spoke of God's guidance. Write this down. Number two, the star speaks of God's guidance. Verse number nine of our text, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east, it went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. See, the wise men they didn't know where to go. They'd seen something supernatural. They'd seen something spectacular. They had seen a star that was unlike any other star they'd ever seen. But they didn't know where to go. Verse number two, it says, 
they were saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we've seen his star in the east. And now we've come to worship him. The glory of God was revealed. Now they wanted to get to that glory. And so the star guided their way. The light from the star, it says it went before them, illuminating the path that they were to take. The light from the star guided them to the light of the world. What's guiding your life? What is your guiding light? I'm not talking about the soap operas in the afternoon. I don't even think they run that anymore. What's guiding your life? What is your guiding light? There are two clear sources of light that I want you to take note of today. One is the obvious. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. In John chapter 8 and verse number 12, Jesus spoke to them and said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but then have the light of life. Wow. Folks, make up your mind that every day you're going to walk in light. You're going to walk with Jesus. See, as we walk daily with Jesus, we walk daily in the light because Jesus is the light of the world. There are some that started off right. They started off following Jesus and walking in the light. But see, again, light has this way of illuminating these problem areas of our life. And let's face it, some of the secret problem areas that we have, we like. There are certain things that we really don't want God to fix. All oh, y'all didn't want to hear that today. We've gotten so used to some of our dysfunction. And we've, we've learned how to justify it and weave it into a Christian so-called life. See, the light keeps shining and he wants to, he wants to correct these problem areas of our life. Some people say that's just too much for me and they step out and they step off and they stop walking in the light and they may occasionally come and visit the light but they're really walking in darkness and pretending like they're walking in light. There's, there's a lot of so-called believers like that. But I believe that we have to continue with this source of light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And then he tells us that we are the light of the world. So we have to make up our mind every day, I'm going to stay with Jesus. I'm going to go all the way. I'm going to finish the race. Not just start the race. You've got to finish the race, right? Who cares who started? They don't give awards for the start of the race. Come on, somebody. It's the one who ran it all the way. And the one who finished first. The one who finished best. Jesus is a source of light. God's word is a source of light. Psalm 119 and 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 
Are you reading God's Word every day? Do you study it? Do you memorize it? Do you meditate on it? Do you delight in it? There's no, there's no easy way around this. There's, there's no uh, shortcut, I guess I should say it this way. There's no shortcut, Carmen. We have to discipline ourselves and open the Bible and read the Bible every day. When you open it and you read it, it's a light. Just imagine an actual light coming out of that. Now, we don't see the, the light physically, but that's what it is spiritually. It's illuminating. We, we read God's Word. We study God's Word. We discipline ourselves, whether we feel like it or not. And all at once, the Word starts to get into us. And the light that is the Word of God now is hiding in our hearts. Your word have I hidden in my heart. Why? So I won't sin against you, God. And so the word of God is hidden in our heart, and it's light, and so it keeps illuminating these problem areas in our life. That's what God's word will do. It says that his word is a lamp to our feet. So imagine with me, you walk into your bedroom, and it's dark. So what do you do? You either flip on the switch and your ceiling light comes on. It's stationary. It's right there. Or you go and pull the pull chain and you turn on the lamp in your room. And all at once, where you are, the room where you are is all illuminated. And you can see everything. You can see that you left something out and so now you're not going to trip over it because the light has illuminated where you are. That's what a lamp does. But then let's say you need to go to the basement or you need to go to the backyard or something and the electricity went out. So what do you do? You go and find a flashlight and then you take the flashlight and it begins to illuminate your path all through your home and down to your basement or maybe around to your backyard. See, that's what God's Word will do. God's Word will illuminate your feet, the room where you are, the place where you are, right where God wants you to be right now. But then there'll be a season that changes and God says, I'm going to lead you somewhere new. I'm going to lead you somewhere else. How do you know where to go? Get into God's Word. It's not only a lamp unto your feet, it's also a light unto your pathway. And God's Word will tell you, I want you to move from Indiana over to Southern California. God's Word will guide you and direct you. Hallelujah. But you've got to get into God's Word so God's Word can actually get into you. These are sources of our light, the light of Jesus, the light of God's Word. And just as the wise men found guidance from the star, the Christmas star that day, wise men and women today will also find guidance from following Jesus every day, staying in the light of Jesus every day, and reading God's Word every day. What did the star what did the star say? What was the star's role? The star finally speaks of God's greatest gift. God's greatest gift. The star had the starring role. Look at our text again. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
And when they'd come into the house, they saw the young child with his mother Mary. And they fell down and worshipped him. And they opened their treasure unto him, presenting him with gold and frankincense and myrrh. You know, the star started off by displaying the glory of God. The star, what, what is up with this star? These men who had devoted their lives to studying stars, wise men, they said there's something different about this star. It illuminated longer. It, it, it shone brighter. It was uncharacteristic of anything else they'd ever seen. A star beyond logic, a star beyond description. Scholars disagree about what type of star this was. Some scholars believe it may have been a meteor. But a meteor would have burned out long before the Magi arrived at the stable. Others have suggested it might have been a comet. But comets generally, at that time period, inspired fear in people and not worship. So a comet wouldn't have drawn men to Jesus. It would have frightened them away. Other scholars have speculated that this star was a supernova or an exploding star. But outside from the fact that a supernova wouldn't have lasted long enough for the Magi to have made the trip, there's no record of a supernova at that time. There is one theory that many agree on, and they say that it could be the result of the lineup of three planets, Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars, and this happens about every 1,000 years, and this could have illuminated enough and caused brightness enough to justify this star. But we're still left with the problem of a star that moves around and, and stops where it wants to. <laughs> I'm not here to tell you what I think because I believe it's beyond logic. It's something supernatural that God did so to display His glory. And that was the, the, the star's first role was just saying this is about God. And this is all for the glory of God. Its next role was illuminating a path and giving guidance to wise men. But the star's greatest accomplishment was when it came and hovered and stopped over the birthplace of the Messiah. Prophets had foretold this day. People had waited for years for this day, the day had finally arrived. The Messiah was born. The Christ child was born. I want our musicians to come. The star's greatest accomplishment, illuminating God's greatest gift. And then it was done. It had finished its assignment. What is God's greatest gift? Well, you know it well. Let's, let's say this great, great verse together. John 3, 16, say it with me. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I found it interesting that the wise men brought gifts, and rightly so. The Bible says they brought frankincense, gold, and myrrh. This tells us they had some bit of position. It tells us they had some money. But what I found interesting was the wise men who brought gifts actually received a gift, didn't they? They were some of the first human beings to lay eyes on the giver of eternal life. And behold, God's greatest gift. What did they do? They did what anybody should do in the presence of royalty, the presence of a king. They worshipped him. It's a season of gifts, season of gift giving. And I want to offer to you today the greatest gift you'll ever be offered. And if you accept this gift, it will be the greatest gift you've ever received. It's the gift of life, the gift of light. The light has come, but many walk in darkness. Don't be included in that number. Make your decision today. I'm tired of walking in darkness. I'm tired of fumbling around and, and falling on my face. I think I'm going to walk in light. God's gift of life, eternal life, will not be forced on you. He simply offers it. You can take the gift or you can reject the gift. I want you to bow your heads today. If you're here today and you would say, I'm, I'm really tired of walking in darkness and I'm ready to walk in the light, I want to accept God's gift of everlasting life. I want to accept Jesus. If that's you, lift your hand and let me pray for you before we leave here and go to lunch. Before you get on with your life, get on with your day, let this be a turning point for you. If you're here and you would say, yes, I, I desperately need to walk in the light. I don't want to walk in darkness anymore. I want to accept Jesus as Savior. Lift your hand right now. Lift your hand and let me pray with you before we leave here today. Mel, I want you to sing this chorus. Here I am to worship. We come here today to worship Jesus Christ, the light of the world. He's come to illuminate our path. Yes, Lord. You're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Let me expand this call just a little further. I want to pray for anybody that would say, I am ready to let the light that is in me shine brighter.
than it ever has. I'm ready this holiday season and beyond to let the light of Christ that is in me illuminate the path of somebody else in darkness. I want to pray for that person today. So if you're here as we sing this again, I want you to stand. If you're ready for the light of Christ to shine brightly through you and the, the glory of God to reflect off of you, come on and, and stand today and commit yourself to letting the light of Jesus shine forth from you. We're here today, God, to worship you. Come on, stand with me. Here I am to worship your hands and avail yourself today we're here to worship you jesus here to bow down to say you about uh, Christmas comes to life tonight at, at six o'clock doors open at set or doors open at five so make sure that you get here and get a good seat it's gonna be a great night as we uh, reach out to our community let's just pray father we thank you that you sent your son the light of the world we thank you Jesus for all that you've done in this place and all that you've done in our hearts God I pray today that we would go and we would shine your love and shine your light to all that we come in contact with we thank you for all of your goodness and all of your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen.